Welcome et bienvenue à ton local podcast. So thank you, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I'm very excited to get to know you better. We've already been talking for a little bit and I feel like it's been a great start, but I, to start us off, want to understand what your life was like before you came to this township. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, how my life was before I came to this township. Well, I worked a different job. I worked for the government and I came from a small city called Cornwall. And um, first thing you know, I'm out here in Embrun and my first language is French. So Embrun was really a place I wanted to go because I wanted to raise my children in a Francophone environment. But I soon saw that the growth of this beautiful community was shifting, right? So, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I just, I had the opportunity to raise my kids in the Francophone environment, and their French was, was definitely uh, increasing. Got better really quickly because all of their friends barely spoke English. It was quite quite fun actually. And uh, that, so we, we, when we came here, there was a nice shift in, in the language component. And then as we grew or as they grew and they decided to move on and, and in, into life as adults, they really felt that they wanted to explore other areas. And guess what? They now both live in this community. <laughs> so, you know, that's a good, really good thing. And I think that somewhere, um, It's nice to see the children stay in a community where they know that they can grow and they can raise a family. And it's fun to be able to do that. I mean, the original intention was I wanted to come here because I didn't want to be in Ottawa. And we were moving from Cornwall to closer to Ottawa so we can raise our family. And now my kids are coming back uh, to Ambrun so that they could raise their family. So to me, that's a really good thing in regards to this community because they are now offered both languages. And with the, you know, the changes and the growth that's happening in this community, it's even more exciting because we really will have, will soon have no need to go to Ottawa because we will have everything we need right here. Et si c'est plus facile pour toi de parler en français? Pendant... C'est pas plus facile, <laughs> okay. c'est la même <laughs> chose. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> yeah, so what was the... I, I, there's so many points in what you mentioned that I want to touch upon. The, the ability to raise a family in this community, uh, that it is growing, that there is opportunity for people to grow and, sure. and to make a life and a living for themselves here, that we are increasingly being able to meet our needs So we won't have to be as reliant upon neighboring communities. Right. And also the transition from French to English in the percentage of people that speak it in our community. Like right. All these points are things that like pick and choose where you want to go right, deeper right, into because right, right. they, they have my interest. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I'll start with the language component because as a child, I grew up and being Francophone was a really big deal. It was a big deal because my parents came from Quebec and they had settled in Ontario and that was just, we needed to have the language. Like I didn't learn to speak English till I was eight. And so it was a, it was a big deal. I, I remember my father was in his fifties and he could say about 10 words. Like it was, it wasn't something, English wasn't a big deal. But now we know that we need to have a solid English language to be uh, you know, functioning 
outside the immediate surroundings, like internationally. We know that English is the international language, but it's nice to have that francophone, solid, really good language behind us because obviously we live in the government town city so we we have more opportunities because we're bilingual we're fluently bilingual and i think it's fun and the fact that we live in a bedroom community of ottawa gives so many more opportunities and if people can as a young person they can get jobs here they can work in both languages and then it gives them a door to walk through a more successful career space if they want to go to ottawa or to get the government yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's growing up here, uh, there were definitely people who spoke better French than me, for sure. And it was very intimidating. But now I'm grateful for that opportunity, for that, that chance to practice and try to understand how to bridge the divide in, in language. Like it's in a, in a unilingual situation, it's so easy to fall into that, that hole of like, oh, people get me and I they get me, I get them. There's, there's no issues. I don't really have to try to figure out that there might be some misunderstanding at play. But when you're dealing with multiple languages, that's just, you play with that feeling. You mm. really do play with that feeling. The fun part I think about languages is that our belief systems come through greatly. And I think the shift in society has happened from, let's say the forties, fifties and sixties to where we are today. The shift is different because now everybody really is equal and we don't have a division because we're Francophone or Anglophone. We're really just people who speak a different language. Like for example, I have, uh, I entertain um, international students at our home every year and, um, they come from wherever in the world, right? And so we're learning all these languages. There's never, there's never a division because, oh, you come from a certain area or you don't speak English that well. We just want to encourage people to come into our home and in our community so they can learn what it's like to be Canadian. Because in the end, it's not about French or English. It's about who we are and what our belief systems are as Canadians. And what has been important experiences to shape your understanding of what it means to be Canadian? That's a good question. I think, um, again, our belief systems, our belief systems are, are, are of immense value to me. Uh, I believe that if we want to be a good, um, a good, a good solid society, we have to, a, be receiving, willing to receive from another. We need to be able to, to grow and, and to accept and to love onto other people. Because at the end of the day, love is the answer. It, love should be the language that we present to everybody everywhere. And we, if we want to have growth, whether it be personal growth or community growth or any other kind of growth, we have to first be willing to receive and to give. And so I would love to see more, um, more uh, transparency in the sense of, of that love that we give to each other and, and that, that, uh, unity of community you know, people come here and they say, oh, this is a nice little place to be. You know, the, the students we have, uh, they go to high school. So they have very limited, you know, uh, knowledge in regards to what 
uh, society looks like outside their own space kind of thing, right? And so now they come here and they go, oh, wow, you guys have a McDonald's now. Oh, you have a Tim Hortons. And, and you know, I say, you know, we don't, we just, you're welcome to go and you can walk there. You don't have to be concerned about taking a car or whatever. And of course, it's, it's just, it's just fun. It's just a, a nice, um, something nice to bring and to provide, um, just to provide a place that's not threatening and, and, and uh, open to multiculturalism, I guess. Hey, it's really proven its course. Yeah. This, this community has gone through the changes and has become far more accepting. And also bikes, you know, I've seen more, <laughs> more bike paths and markings on the roads for that way of commuting and getting around. And if you're, when I was a teenager, that was the best way to get around, sure. especially between the two townships of sure. Russell and and Embrun. And interestingly enough, the whole uh, last couple of years have really brought people outdoors, right? And we see more than ever people out walking and we're meeting our neighbors because they're walking outside. Like I could tell you that in my community, it's like, oh, I've never seen this many people in 21 years. <laughs> but here we are every single day. There's dozens of people walking by our house, whereas before that wasn't the case. Makes me think when I was a little girl, we used to sit on the front porch, right? And now, and you know, we got used to it, accustomed to being in the backyard and living in, in an area like this. But I'm thinking maybe it's time to put chairs in the front once again. <laughs> <laughs> so we can just say hi to the people that are walking by because there's so many people. It, it's lovely to see that for sure. And the growth, the, 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 I mean, the amount of growth in, in Embrun is, is mind-blowing. It's, it's so exciting to me. Yeah, it's... And it's very noticeable, very noticeable from the businesses you mentioned, the amount of new neighborhoods that have been created. I think when I spoke with the mayor, he mentioned that we've superseded our our estimation for growth oh, by really? a number of... Oh, that's of, like It's just been an explosion, essentially, yes. of people coming into the community. And especially during this time when there right. isn't really that much opportunity for people to meet face-to-face, -face, right. that we do have roads that are safer to walk down. You know, it's not heavy traffic. Well, it's a big deal. You know, I know whenever I was choosing Embrun, it was about how much crime is there here? You know, how much drugs is there here? Is this a good place that I can bring my kids? Do I have to worry if they go out on their own? You know, of course, there are all of those things everywhere to an element, but was there a lot and you know what i can say that this is a fantastic space because my kids grew up they're adults now and we didn't have that much trouble at all there was just people looked after one another they looked out for each other i mean we still we're, we're going back to some of our values that were um in our grandparents days where you cooked cookies and you went and brought some to the neighbor I think we're going back to that. We're seeing that people are doing that and I, I've done it and people have done it to me. So I know it's happening. It's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's becoming a bit more common. And I think that whole sense of this is where I live. This is where I grow. This is what's going on. And I think people are taking pride in, the, in their area as well. And you'll see a lot of the properties in this community are beautiful. People take pride in how they keep them. And all those things reflect back to their belief systems. They want to have a nice place. They're proud. It's a good thing. <laughs> what have you done to, like, what are you proud of for what you've done in your own home? 
Well, we've, we continually do changes, right? And so uh, I know that we did, we put in, for example, a new stone front uh, on our home because we want to give it more curb appeal because there at some point in my life that house is going to have to sell and so we want it to look nice then at that time too so we we have a a situation my husband and I we always say whatever we do we want to do for the last time (laughs) we don't ever want to do another roof we don't want to do another front steps so we do we will wait longer to get it but then when we get it we're getting the stuff that's going to last so we did stone steps all the way and and we we were able to finish that uh, a couple of years ago in the front and about five years ago we did the backyard and so now our latest thing is is the gardens it's a big deal there's more and more people having gardens so that's always a good thing not that that adds value but it certainly adds value to our family what what are you growing in your garden (laughs) well (laughs) we started with uh, tomatoes and peppers those were the basic things but now I've went on to broccoli and cauliflower and brussels sprouts and the fun stuff (laughs) (laughs) and of course the zucchinis and the this and that right so it's just it's something I like to do and and I I'm as a fundamental person my 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 values in regards to food I'm a much of a foodie so I'm gonna I do all the canning and I do a lot of that kind of stuff so I can get really really excited when I'm thinking of what I'm drawing from the garden and the and the the harvest from that because I don't have to buy this stuff you know all year round because I have jars and frozen things and I have everything I need practically do you uh, do you ever give it as gifts to other people or? Absolutely. I, I mean, the garden is growing all the time. Yeah. And I know like for us, my family is, is the people we give it to the most. But certainly if we had an abundance, we're familiar with the uh, uh, community garden component and to give extras. But I have to be honest, we just haven't had that kind of thing because I can everything. So we just, I let my children come and take what they need. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm canning, not just for one family. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to passing on that ability. Yeah. <laughs> How did you learn? That's a good question. I think uh, with somebody at our church, invited me one time and they were doing apples and I thought, okay, I'll just go for the social side. And then I thought, wow, this is cool. And so we were, we were doing at that time we were dehydrating apples. That was how it started. And she was doing like fruit roll-ups. And so I thought, oh, this is fun. And my kids were younger. So I thought I'm going to get a dehydrator and I'm going to start doing fruit roll-ups for school. That's a great healthy snack. And so then I went from fruit roll-ups to strawberries and raspberries and so on. Right. And then you sort of grow from there. And then, um, the, I mean, Pinterest is always a good answer (laughs) (laughs) for all things. Whenever it comes to that, like I do, I, whenever I don't know, what to do, I look on Pinterest, but I do have a friend now who, who's a little older than me. So she acts a bit like a mom and she's very much into gardening. So if I have any questions that she can come and help me or she, I can just call her, but typically you learn from doing right. Yeah. Yeah. How did you make friends in the community? How did I make friends in a community? Well, that's an interesting question too. So we moved here in 2003 in June, 2003. 
And in December 31st, 2003, our house burned down. So we met friends right away. <laughs> Not something I recommend. <laughs> but we did. We, we, we actually had had um, a wine and cheese in November. So we'd met the immediate neighbors uh, to either side and a friend in the back kind of thing. And so we knew we just were doing it to say hi and, and how are you? And our name is Mark and Julie. And... Uh, you know, then our house burns down. So then the whole community can comes together uh, when something like that happens, because it's quite tragic. And, you know, it was just so beautiful to see the people that came out of the woodwork that we didn't know to help us to get back on our feet and, and to get our life back. But I'm telling you, we have people that we met that we didn't know before during that period that are still friends today. And I'd say that that was very much uh, a situation for us, how we met other people. But of course, you know, there's that walking your dog and, and going around the block and, and meeting people and, and just being open. Like I, I used to, I used to go walking with people. I just say, okay, I'm going out walking. If anybody wants to come out with me, it's just, it depends on your personality, right? I'm that outgoing kind of girl. So I'm going to say, okay, if, if I'm going to walk and you want to come <laughs> and you meet people and, and that's really how it is. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's about meeting people. That's how we did it. And the dogs that you had? Well, we had, uh, we had a lasso apso and a pug initially, and we lost them in the fire. And then we thought, okay, well, what do we do? Do we get some more? So we got two more pugs. And now, unfortunately, we can't have any more dogs because we're highly allergic. <laughs> How does that happen? Eh? <laughs> I just love animals and, and it's me specifically that's very allergic. And, um, I'm only allergic to dogs once they start getting older. So when they're about one year, <laughs> zero to one year, one and a half, I could put my face in their fur and I just love it. I have a girlfriend who just got a dog and I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait, but I can't do it. And when they, it's the dander you're, I'm mm. allergic to. So it, once they're getting older, then I can't do it and <laughs> I can't touch them. And <laughs> And that just drives me crazy. And especially because I am a dog lover, it was a big deal. But uh, we used to really enjoy doing the, the walk with the dog. But now we just walk. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And when you go on, do you always have somebody come in with you from the, from the house or sometimes you no, go solo? No, I, I'm, I'm, I can go alone most of the time. My husband does come, but our hours for walking doesn't always... Um, jive because he's an early riser and I'm tend to be a late, <laughs> late sleeper. So we don't work at the same times. Like I work an office job, he works in construction. So he's just up and running really early, whereas I'm not. And I tend to like to walk after supper. He doesn't, he's, it's time for bed for him and oh, yeah. he doesn't want to. Kind of <laughs> he's done all his walking and carrying. <laughs> he's done all his walking all day. Exactly. <laughs> So each person is like that. But uh, for us, it, it just works. We go on our own sometimes and we sometimes we go together. But I do have some friends. I've been using the Dome and I have a membership and we go regularly to the Dome when it's open now. <laughs> so that that's an, a nice option too because it, it you're outside the elements, right? So you don't have to be concerned about is it raining? Is it too cold? At least you have that opportunity and we can still walk. Yeah. 
what other communities do you feel you have a membership to within the township? I'm sorry, I, I don't know. What so you have a membership to the dome, correct? And that's like you could say it's an active sports community, right? Other other things that you attend outside of your home that are part of the township and part of the the surrounding culture. I don't believe so. I mean, I did volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was volunteering at the food bank, so that was a nice experience, and I did that for two and a half years. Uh, and now it's time for a new venue. And here I am. <laughs> Possibly it's the radio, you know, CJRO that's going to be the next venue. I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. At this yeah. time, for you, sure. You can consider that. It's a community activity. You know, people from the community can take part, can have their own show, can host their own ideas and, and collaborate with others or share their music. It's, it's definitely something that there's still plenty of space for people to take part and share their story or do whatever they need to do to be able to reach other people. Nice. That's very good. And so what drew you originally to the radio station? What are you hoping to do? Well, what drew me to the radio station is that I heard community radio. And so I mentioned earlier that I'm from Cornwall. So I was part of the community radio that was CHOD back then. It's still CHOD. It's just somewhere else apparently now. Um, But I was part of that process in, in the early beginnings. I Not that I worked there, but uh, I worked in community development, so I knew a lot of what was going on. And when I heard there was a community radio, and I said to my husband, wow, that brings me back to to that, that beginning of, of that other radio station. And I thought it would be interesting to find out, so I started looking into it. And it was very new, and they... I whenever I was spoken with Denny, he was telling me that they had just committed to the Embrun area. And I thought, oh, wow, how fun is that? It's going to be in Embrun, not to boot, you know? And I thought that was pretty exciting. So to me, it's like a step up uh, for our community yet again, right? Because if we get a radio station, then something else will happen. Something else will come from that. And we always want to grow, um, within that community. And I think that's what drew me to CJRO is because I think it's a growth component in our community and that excites me. Oh yeah. I can totally understand how that symbolizes that the Mm -hmm. ability to reach more people, to have bigger conversations. And what is it that you want to talk to other people about? Well, I'm a mortgage broker. I'm also a certified financial coach. I'm an insolvency counselor and I have a degree in business accounting. So I come with finances as a whole. So what I do that puts bread on my table primarily is the mortgages. So obviously I work with Mortgage Brokers Ottawa. I'm an agent with them and I've been doing mortgages for a number of years. So the fun part about that is that I get to work from home. So COVID didn't affect me because I was already working from home. And uh, it didn't affect me in the way that it has affected others is what I should say. And uh, I want to help people because as far as life is right now, we look at society and people are greatly overextended. It really concerns me that people don't have the financial tools to be in a position to do the things that they truly want to do in their life. And so I have worked and I continue to work with people who would like to have strategies to help them grow their finances, to help them pay off their mortgage, to help them just have a better uh, cash flow, 
have a better life as when we're talking finances. So I build strategies for them all day long and, and find a solution to get them to where they're going. Cause in the end, finances is just about planning, just like everything else in our lives. If we plan our finances and we plan what we're going to do, we can plan what we're going to spend. It's not a res- necessarily needs to be restrictive. It can be fun to a degree, let's be honest, <laughs> but it can be fun because it's about, Hey, I have extra money to be able to do ABCD. And it doesn't have to be, I can't do this and I can't do that because it's, that's no fun. So what I try to do is I try to build in those strategies that's going to bring you to a place that is going to be fun financially and get you to where you're going all the while saving you money all the way through. So my underlying thing is I want to save you money. I, I, I always say, you know, the best way to know if you have a good mortgage broker is how much money they're saving you. Well, most of the people that come to my office will say, well, no one's ever told me that before. Well, unfortunately, most people are getting their information from large lending institutions or from the media. Well, they're not going to necessarily tell people how to save money because that means that they're cutting their own profits. But for myself, it doesn't affect me. If I'm showing you how to save money, it actually helps me. So somewhere, if I'm so showing you how to save $30,000 in interest on your mortgage, you're going to like me a whole lot more <laughs> than, than if I don't. And people don't really understand why that is. So I like to show, you know, numbers don't lie. It's either this or that. And one of the things, for example, that I often show people is how much would you pay if you had a fixed five-year fixed rate? How much interest would you pay versus if you have a variable rate today and the five-year fixed today? So we compare today's rates and often it's 50% interest over five years that I'm saving them. So it's easy to say if you were normally being paying $60,000, i am saving you $30,000 of interest just by shifting the way that you think and what you're looking at. So that's one strategy that I would build with my clients. Say, okay, but there's so many other options too. So I could tell you there could be 10 strategies in one deal. And then every one of those strategies will save some money. So I always say, if I can save you money, I want to do that. And that's what makes me tick. If I can get up and say, oh, I saved this guy this much money today. And that's what really gives me air under my wings. That is, that is deeply motivating. I can understand the inspiration behind that. Yeah. When do you feel like you've done that for yourself? When you've had that little boost of realizing you, by changing certain things, uh, investing in different ways that you really made a shift in your life financially? Well, I come from a very poor background and uh, I decided at some point in my life and I can't put a finger on when exactly that decision in my head was made, but I didn't want to live like my parents that I wanted to have a different life. So I bought a house when I was 19. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of starts there. (laughs) (laughs) It's an early start. Yeah. It's an early start. And, and you know, there's stigma. I remember, and this is a little bit funny, um, but I remember how people just didn't do that. And I mean, let's face it, it was in 1984. The rates were about 15, 16%. 
you know, and yep, I still bought a house and yes, I was still 19, right? So at the end of the day, it was very uncommon. It was very (laughs) non-traditional and I was a woman (laughs) to boot. So I had people saying things about me, like there's no way that I did this. I must've been doing something illegal because there's no way I would have money to buy a house because other people didn't do things the same way. And I realized that I had a unique way of thinking at that point because I could save thousands of dollars very, very quickly. Now, granted, in 1984, the first house we bought this is not comparable to the prices today, of course. I paid $40,000 for my first house, but 20% of 40000 was still $10,000. So I, it was actually 25%. So I had $10,000 put down on my house at 19, which again was people just didn't do that. But I wasn't, I was raised in a home that didn't have a lot of anything. So I soon learned that if I want to have something, I needed to be really frugal and I needed to follow some form of the structure so that I can get to where I was going. So when I bought that first house, I had saved my dollars. And interestingly enough, the year after I bought this house, my grandmother passed away. And here's another element that just confirms what it is that happened in my financial life. My parents were not able to attend the funeral unless they borrowed money. And they came to me to borrow money. And I'm thinking, okay, something's really wrong with this picture. How come 40, 50 year old parents would go to their 19 year old daughter to borrow money to go to their, their, my father's mother's funeral. And I remember I lent my parents some money and it was just, how come I had that money? And those were all defining moments in my life that really started to say, okay, this is really odd, good, odd, mind you, but just very, very different. And so it sort of launched me. I I like to say to my clients, I want to throw you on a trampoline so it can launch you into your future. And I believe that though that was my trampoline, I think I was launched into the financial life at that point because I knew I now gathered enough knowledge in a couple of years that I could function well going forward and I wouldn't have to worry. And then of course you buy, sell, sell, buy, and you make a bunch of money, right? And so, you know, I, I moved here in 2003 and I'd sold probably five houses. And now I sat for a little while because, you know, after the fire, it took time to get over our, you know, get our life and our scruples back and all that fun stuff. And then about, um, four years ago, we started to say, okay, it's time. It's time again to start doing this. So I did it again. So I started calling and saying, what are we going to buy? And what are we doing? So, and, and here we are, we're, we're financial investors now. And we, we have a bunch of properties and, and we just, again, we're building strategies for those who want to know how we do it. That's what we do. We build strategies. So it's, it's just fun. And, and again, I like to, to say that real estate's the best place to go to invest money today. <laughs> now, if you're paying 800000 you may not make 
the money you think you're going to make, but it's still a good investment provided you're not overpaying for the property. You might want to make sure the value is there. It's true that the rising prices in Ottawa have been just through the roof. But uh, one of the questions I always ask the realtors is what's the true value of this property? And that's when you know, is it a good investment? And, and you go from there. But investing is, is, is not for the faint of heart either because you have to have strong bones and you have to be able to have a little bit of a slush fund to be able to work it too because if you don't, then it's a lot harder to get there. But uh, I can teach you how to get there. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> and what's the typical amount of money that you think someone should start stowing away to get involved in these kind of investments? Well, that's, that's a loaded question because it's not a typical amount of money. It depends on their income and it depends on where their priorities lie because that wherever their priority is. So for example, if you came to me and you said, okay, I would like to invest, but you want to have your child in, you know, professional, uh, soccer or, or, or traveling team hockey or, and there's nothing wrong with all those things, but that might mean that your priority then has to be your children or you choose that for the sport of your child to be your priority. And and maybe there's no extra money for a property. Um, but you know, it's good to start anyway, but I am going to say to you that it's not just about investing in a property. Sometimes if you're where the house that you're living in is, yes, it's still an investment in your own property, but sometimes you can make things happen while you're waiting for your kids to grow up. If that's your priority kind of thing. And, and there are strategies around that. And then again, I, I, I work at saving people money so I could teach you how that works and what you could do to get there. And then, but you, you got to put, you can't put the cart before the horse. You first have to build your foundation. And so your foundation has to be your cash flow. And that's really where it's at. Because if your cash flow isn't working, it's not a good time to be investing anywhere because you have to make sure there's enough money to do the basic necessities of your life and whatever that might mean. Right. And so I put, I, I would help you put parameters around those necessities. And then we could move into a place of, of success, um, depending on what your goal is. If your goal is to have a house cause you don't have one, that's one goal. But if your goal is to have income properties, it could be a different goal and it could look differently. And each person is unique in their strategy, right? Because whatever I'm telling person A may not be the same strategy for the next person. And when it comes to starting a business, setting it all up, is that something you have experienced that people can come to you for? Or do they come to you once they've... No, they can come to me for all of that. So at the end of the day, um, we I manage everything to do with businesses and finances. So I specialize in business coaching as well as personal financial coaching. And so when I'm saying business coaching, I have people that come to me and they, they, they just want to do a side job and they don't really think it's going to go beyond. And maybe that's not the right motive then. But if you really want to be a contractor, cause you're really good at doing inside finishing and you want to make a business and a life of that, I'm going to teach you what you need to do to get there. Because 
that will, without the foundation, again, it's the same mm. idea. You have to have a foundation in a business for it to float. And, and if you, for example, are making money, but you're spending more than you're earning, it's no different than if you're at home, if you don't have any money at the end of the month, then you're not going to be able to go to the next level. And having a business, you have to have a consistent cash flow to be able to function as we know. So I can do all of that. I work with people of every walk of life, young people, older people, and uh, I want I want to see people be successful. My role is to coach them into finding that success. I have four categories of the work that I do, and one of them is called survival, stability, success, and significance. So I want to bring them from survival. And I want them to be significant. So at the end of the day, I want them to have their finances in order so that they can retire at 50 or 45 or 40, whatever time it is that they can get there. That's the goal for me is how can I get you to save enough money to be able to do the things you want to do in your life? And, and maybe you don't want to retire early and that's okay. I'm still working because I love it. It's not because I have to. So at the end of the day, I want you to be in that same position. And I use a lot of my own abilities and, and, and experiences to get you there. Cause I've done a few things. I've done some few things good and a few things wrong and I learn from them and then you go from there. But I want to, I want to help people get to that place. You know, I had a young man that, um, he wanted to start a business and I said, okay, well, how are we going to do that? You need to get out there and get clients. And sometimes it's just about shifting the way that they think, oh, I have a client. Okay, but what are you going to do next week? Because this client will be over. Did you think about what we're, how we're going to get the client next for next time or for months from now or two months from now? And then we narrow down by quarter possibly, right? It depends that we have to have a system that works, that keeps you working all year round. And when you have those systems down pat, they just work. So it's a process. It's like I said earlier, it's about planning. So I'm a process person. I like to do it a certain way because it works. And if it's not broken, we don't fix it. <laughs> it's the way it works. You said we, uh, who is part of your team? I have, um, Natalie, she is, uh, my assistant in mortgages. I have Heidi, who is my assistant. She does bookkeeping. So we, I have a business that does bookkeeping and accounting. I have a mortgage, a financial coaching business and a business coaching business. I have a financial investment, a real estate investment business as well. So I touch every little bit. So I have Heidi that works in the bookkeeping. I have Natalie that works in the mortgages and I have a, uh, an accounting firm that we send our, our taxes to the people, not uh, yes, ours, but our clients taxes. I have an agreement with this firm and I also have a new lady that's coming on board. Her name is Karen and she's also an accountant that's going to be managing the accounting component. And now I have a new lady that starts on the 28th and her name is Sharon and she's going to learn all about mortgages. So in time, it's about setting it up so I can do other things too, right? So you know, it's, it's nice to be able to say, okay, I, here's what everybody has to do today. And I'm going to come on the radio <laughs> and do something else. And just, it's, it's nice to, to have that, that opportunity to be able to do something different, but that's my team. And of course, my husband is, is a huge, huge member of my team and, and support. And he does almost anything, um, 
like I was mentioning earlier, he doesn't have a lot of administrative abilities, but he's great at, he manages a lot of the properties that we have. And, and, uh, he, he's, he's just great with his hands. So he'll bounce ideas with me and then we'll say, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. And when we're finding properties and he's going to help me do those things and, and go from there. But we also have joint venture partners that are part of our teams as well. And so those joint venture partners um, are of great value because they bring a whole different facet to what we're doing. So again, we're, we're coming together as a team to buy a larger property so that we each have roles and we each have, it's not always my responsibility or my husband's responsibility to do all of it. So we have some that we own alone and there's some that we have joint ventured with other people. That's a, that's a lot of growth. <laughs> I, I'm not 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's stuff you accumulate over years, right? Yeah. You just a little bit here and a little bit there. Okay. This is working well. Now what? Cause every year, you know, I, I'm really that, that person, you know, I, I've been referred to as that, that, you know, go getter and whatever, but I like to set goals. So every year, November, December, we'll sit down, my husband and I, and we're going to set all kinds of goals. The goals will look like how much money we're saving this year, which trip we're going on this year, what renovation we're making in the house. Are we buying a car this year? What are we doing with our kids this year? Are we doing family activities? Are we doing um, a trip? What are we doing, right? So I, we just list all those things that we'd like to do. And sometimes it's not doable within the 12-month cycle that we're doing. And we just expand it to a five-year. Uh, like, for example, replacing windows on a house. Well, you don't necessarily want to do that and other things all in one year. It's just too costly. So we kind of plan and gauge. And so we do that every single year and I'm going to be real focused the second half of the year to make sure I've covered it because the first half of the year ah, it's you know we're lazier in a little bit we're taking a break but then come May and June we're going to start looking at that list and what have we done what are we supposed to do and then we're going to get we're going to get it done and I mean it does happen that there are stuff that we don't finish up um, but I mean, in there, we, we have a vision board, right? So, and our vision board is not just for those goals that I've mentioned, but there's also personal stuff. What are we going to read? What are we growing on? You know, those kinds of things. And what's priority in our lives? And for us, our faith is super important. So we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in our marriage. We want to grow with our family. So our top priority, regardless of what work we do, is first is faith, second is our marriage, and third is our children, and everything else comes after. Because the job is a job is a job. We all have one. And if we don't have this one, we'll find another one. So at the end of the day, it's nice. I work for myself. I have all these businesses. That's great. But you know what? If I don't have my marriage, what have I got? If I don't have my family, what have I got? So at the end of the day, for me, it's, it's, it's a job. I enjoy it. I love it, but it doesn't take the place of my husband. It doesn't take the place of my faith. Those are the things I put first. I, I definitely want to know more about what went into the success of your relationship. 
with your oh husband. Oh my, <laughs> we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> I have all I have is time. <laughs> oh my, well, whenever I, I'm sorry for the quiet there. <laughs> I don't know where to start. <laughs> oh, it's a huge. Obviously, it's, it's a huge question. Yeah, it's a huge question. Um, I always, I always think, you know, when I was two, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. Uh, Whenever I, I I was a teenager, as most girls, we always want to get married and have babies. That's that's just the way life is made with us, how we're fabricated. And a lot of us want to have careers, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. And and you do what you have to do, and and it's a learning curve. And and like a, most of the women of my day, uh, twenty one years old, I got married, and. Uh, to make this long story very short, the wrong guy. <laughs> so I, I found myself divorced eight years later with two lovely children. Um, and so again, a learning curve. I believe that I've been placed on a curve every time I turn around on my life. I am always learning something new, but it's, it's what I had to do. The background that I have, I mentioned earlier, I was, I come from a really poor home. I was, unfortunately, wasn't a functional home. It was very, very dysfunctional. So there was always something I had to avoid and learn how to manage in those years. And then I become a teenager and I marry the wrong man. And now I have to manage how am I going to survive this component? And so it just really became about my belief systems. What do I want to do? Where, where am I going to go in regards to survival and how am I going to give my kids the best life, not the best things, but the best life. So that's sort of where it starts in, in regards to my relationship, because a big, 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 big part in my opinion of the success of our relationship is that I knew who I was and what I wanted, what I needed and where I was going and so did he. So as we're older, because in our 20s, let's be honest, we don't know. We might think we know, but we don't really know because we don't have a lot of life experience. But um, when I met my current husband, I was 35. And I just found myself saying, you know, this this is what I want. and And I started to say, I won't accept anything less in these categories because I don't have to. I don't want to. I really want a man who's going to love me for who I am. I really want a man who's going to love my children as his own. I really want a man who's going to treat me like I'm his princess forever. Because if I don't have that, then I don't want that person. And I knew what I wanted. I would lay my cards on the table, as they say. And these are my cards. Take them or leave them. I'm okay if you leave them. But these are my cards. And for me, my faith has always been a huge part of who I am. And that was on one of my cards. And it was the list of negotiables and non-negotiables. Well, faith is definitely non-negotiable for me. So I wanted someone who was going to grow in their faith, who was going to believe that Jesus is their savior. 
and that would come to church and that would support me and be active in the church and all of that. And so I thought, oh, most men are going to run now. (laughs) But he didn't. He didn't run. He didn't run when I said that. He didn't run when I said he can't be scared of commitment. He didn't run when I said other things. And then I started to see that he and I had similar values. We thought in similar ways. He really wanted the best for me and my family. And I wanted the best for him. And all of a sudden he was accepting of who I was, flaws and all. And you sort of go, who is this person that the Lord has put on my path? That is so wonderful. Oh, sure. He has flaws. Of course, there's nobody that's perfect. But you know what? When the foundation is built, going back to that foundation, in a foundation of a relationship, you have to have communication. You have to have commitment. You have to have honesty. And you have to have just a minute, I'm missing one. <laughs> Communication, <laughs> honesty, um, commitment, honesty, commitment. I'm missing one. Anyways, there's a, <laughs> there's another one. I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but all these things are part of your foundation. And if you don't have them, then how could you continue to function? Because I always take this example. If you have, a, 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 think of a house foundation. And if your foundation is made out of, of uh blocks and you've got some blocks that are missing because your partner isn't really committed or you're not committed. I'm not meaning to pick on men. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. (laughs) But if, if there's holes in your foundation, your foundation will be weak and it will not hold your home. So at the end of the day, I wanted to have those four components of, of just that strength. And for me, my faith was in the middle. So if he didn't want to meet me in the middle, then I couldn't function and create that, that beautiful foundation that we needed. And communication, I can't say enough about communication. There's a lot of guys that don't like to talk. But honestly, that's the only way you can get by. Because if you don't talk about stuff, then they, you know, you're, you're, you're really not growing in that area. Like I always say to my kids, the best gift I can give you is talk to your spouse about finances before you get married. Talk to your spouse about your kids before you get married. Because what happens is you're going to have some children and then it's going to be an argument. Who's going to discipline? Who's not disciplining? How were you raised versus how I was raised? And all those things. You want to just iron those things out. I know that in our walk, at some point in our life, we were um, a, a couple that was dealing with people at a premarital um, session for, for knowledge and stuff. And it was just, I, I remember talking to them and saying, you know what, we have to have the conversation of who's going to manage the finances. Who is the one that's going to cook? Who's the one that's going to clean? Is it all one person's job? Is it everybody's job? We're going to have the conversation. Is mom going to work? Or is mom staying home with the kids? You know, again, that's a shift that's happening right now. I can see it more and more. Not everybody's choosing that both parents are going to work now. And they were sort of like reverting back to some of the values that were back in the day of our grandparents and our parents. But those were the things that we had to talk about. And 
our baggage. We all have baggage. So we have to talk about the baggage, how it's going to be affecting us and, and all of that. And the fact that I was now divorced, it was a big deal. It really was because not all, you know, everybody wants to be with a divorced person. And, and I had kids. So a man that was coming in my life was getting an instant family. So again, it's, it's a big bite to chew, but we had to talk about all those things. And, and we did. And slowly we started to understand that we just would accept us for who we are and not for who we'd like them to be. Because that sort of means that it's going to be a negative if you're, well, you're hoping that you're going to change that person because the only person we can really change is us. And we grew from there and we are both really determined at growing our relationship consistently and continually and making time for our couple. You know, we know that, as you know, with all these businesses, time is precious and, um, we set in our schedule a date night and we set in our schedule a time that we isolate ourselves from everybody else. And that could mean on the weekend, for example, Sunday afternoons, it could mean date nights on Thursday or Friday night. Uh, and then we go out and we are very much communicators. So we're going to talk all the way in the car and we're going to talk at the restaurant and we're going to talk all the way home and, and we're still talking kind of thing. We always have something to share and we'll talk about the things that bother us, the thing that's exciting us, the, the things that we have to address in regards to challenges. You know, we talk about everything and anything. And if you're transparent with your partner, there's never anything that is off limits if you started off there. So our foundation was really strong because that last wall I couldn't remember is called trust. (laughs) 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 So trust, honesty, communication, and commitment. Those are the four walls. (laughs) (laughs) And, And when, if you have it all down and then you're able to, begin to talk. There's no fear because you've already talked about sexuality. You've already talked about, Oh, how much money did you spend this week? You know, uh, uh, we have some funny stories. We have some awful things, you know, too. I mean, there's no such thing as perfection. You just got to roll with it. I think what people, you know, understood for, for us, what we understood is that, you know, It's about choosing to love each other every day. Sometimes we're having a rough day and I'll say to my husband, I'm choosing hard to love you today, but I'm still here. And it's not, you know, I'm not just using a disposal attitude where, you know, I'm not happy today, so I'm getting rid of you and out I go. You have to be committed to staying the whole time. And by having communication, I think it's huge in those things. And of course, those other walls, if, if somebody's not honest, that's a problem. If it, you don't, can't trust them, that's a problem, right? And you don't want to bandaid that hole on your foundation. You want to fix it for real. And sometimes I find people just don't want to look, they just put a sheet over top that hole and they pretend it's not there. And you know, that could be okay for a season, but it's destroying you and your, your relationship in the process. I'm not that person. I like to 
rip off the band-aid. Let's <laughs> fix this problem. I don't, I don't, I don't tend to um, shy away from difficult conversations. We are not strong at fighting. We really have so much communication that it's really what keeps us going a lot. And, and, you know, there are times that we do stuff that the other doesn't like and, and so on. Of course, it's part and parcel of being different or two different people. Um, but in the end, we're both very committed to our relationship. That is very beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with me. You're welcome. And I'll get you some more water. So I want to explore more this element of commitment. Like what that means for you. Like you said, you came from a rough background. So I am assuming that the word commitment has gone through an evolution for you from basically what other people would do when they said the word versus what you do when you say the word. Right. Well, I can tell you that, you know, my parents were married regardless that their attitude, their, their belief system was that they were married regardless of if they were being abused, regardless if they were being ignored, uh, regardless if they were rich or poor, regardless, they just stayed married. And there's merit to that. We can learn that it's important to be committed. But I learned in my own walk that accepting abuse is not okay. I learned that, you know, we have to still respect one another enormously that we are not someone's possession as women. Unfortunately, in those years, my mother's years, women were possessions. And so I learned that I was my own person. So I think the best way to, to describe what commitment means to me is I first have to know what I want, who I am, what I need. And then I can say, I choose every single day to be with you because I, that's what I choose. I love you for who you are. And that's what I choose. So it's a, the commitment is a decision. It's a word, but it's a true daily decision. And, and as long as it's mutual, it's not hard to do, you know? Um, but I, I think back at the horrific situations that, I've seen is, is that women were just things. And, and unfortunately they were just not treated well. And it was, you know, the men did what they wanted with women. Well, that doesn't happen now. I, I sure hope it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in my walk of life anymore. Um, I hope it doesn't happen in anybody's walk of life. Um, but by all means, it's, it's, uh, it's about choice. And I think women have a voice today, whereas we earned those years, right, uh, of having a voice. And I think it's just a different, a totally different life in society now is women can live on their own. They're not looked upon as missing something if they weren't married and if they choose not to have children or whatever. And we don't, we don't, um, judge women who are choosing that path for themselves. Um, I think, I think it's huge to be able to say, I choose what I want for my life and I commit to it. I think it's a lot easier because you've made the choice. You didn't get forced into it or, and so on. And, and that's real, you know, in a sense, whereas my, I, I remember my parents, 
I, I feel so badly for my mom because she had a lot of potential, but she didn't have the ability to grow emotionally. And, and so she just stayed in that square spot where she was and, and that was life. That was all she had. So she was going to function until she didn't have to anymore. And, and I thought when my father passed away, I, I thought, wow, there's a time that for my mom, she's still reasonably young. Maybe there's going to be a whole different venue for her, you know, but unfortunately she was so ingrained that there wasn't, but you know, it's still, she was committed to my dad, regardless of what he did to her, how good and bad it was. And I still feel that there's so much merit to the level of commitment that, that I learned from that. Um, and I, I have to say that in society in 2022, I think that there's a huge lack of commitment in people's relationships. It's more disposable relationships. And, and that brings sadness and, and, and broken families so much. I mean, granted, my family wasn't functioning. It wasn't. So we want to find the happy medium. I think that's where I hang my hat. (laughs) And what things from the communities you've been in have helped you and your family stay a family? Faith, church. Absolutely. I'm telling you, um, for me, faith is my top priority. And when you're part of, of, of a church, the people that are there are going to love onto you and guide you. And there's always someone that has a better relationship than you. And we can look to, I love looking at seniors that have been married for 40, 50 years. And I, I just observe them and you see the man still opening the door for the woman. You see the woman still getting the guy's tea. You're getting, you're seeing the things that never changed. And that is the kind of stuff I see and I want to be part of and I want to learn more because granted, everybody's had challenges. But I think when we go into an environment and a faith environment, it helps us get the values that we that for me, that made me tick and it helps us be around people who have similar values in order for us to get better. And cause we need to grow cause every day we need to grow. Cause if we're not growing, we're dying. So at some point I always want to keep growing and my marriage is no different than any other area of my life. And okay. <laughs> like I, I'm sorry. I got raptured in your story. <laughs> I, I've, I feel a huge starvation within myself for, for positive models of relationships. I, I don't think I really have them besides my own family. Of course, you know, I'm exposed to them. I'm around them and I have no real complaints. We're constantly growing. We're constantly learning. We love each other unconditionally, but I do know that I did not have many examples to look to. And now that I'm older, I, I do a lot of reading. I listen to podcasts. I listen to other people's stories. And some people have gone through the gauntlets and I'm starting to meet them and having those conversations with them as well. Mm-hmm. But I, when I do see it, when I do see things that I enjoy, 
in other people's relationships, Mm -hmm. it makes an impact on me. I can model after that. Absolutely. And I remember even the same with personal growth. You watch and you observe and you say, oh, I like this component. You grab it and put it in your bag. And then you watch another couple or another person. Oh, I really like that one. Oh, but I don't like that other one. Right. And so you pick and choose what you really like. And then you exactly, you model your life around that. Like I read a ton. I'm a reader and I like to read psychology and I grow a lot. Um, and, and whenever I met my husband, I, I was five years by myself. All I did was read relationships all I did because I was determined that the relationship I was going to have next was going to work. And so that meant I had to grow me. I had to find me and I needed to know how to grow in in a couple because one of the things my husband always says is you can't grow in a relationship if you're not in a relationship. So you can do all the work you need to do on yourself and that will get you to a place And that's a great place. But then you have a different growth as a relationship. Because as we know, relationships is give and take, right? And we want to find that balance. Because give and take doesn't mean I give 100 and you take 100. (laughs) That doesn't mean that, (laughs) right? It means everybody gives at 100%. But there are moments, like I know, for example, in my work, summer is very busy, So my husband knows that, oh, come July, August, and September, he's not going to have a lot of extras happening in those three months, let's say. So he knows he's going to have to give a little more in that season. But I also know that after that, then I have to re, not that I owe him anything. I don't owe him anything, but it's, it's that compensation. Okay. I haven't been available as usual uh, for you in the last three months. So I'm going to try to be a bit more available in the next while to be able to refill because in psychology we have a barrel and if that barrel is functioning has a good bottom we can always fill it with positive things but if our barrel has holes then it doesn't matter what you put in it's going out the bottom so we need to find a way to 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 fill those holes and then you can keep the good stuff that's going in and i find that we do that. My husband and I will do that. And sometimes I'll say, okay, I just need you to hold me because I need to feel secure today. Excuse me. And so what does that mean for me? Well, it means that I need him to make, hold me tight, like in a bear hug until I feel okay, I'm good now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I need out because I can't take it forever. But sometimes I'm lacking something that's making me feel like I just need some support. And I know it sounds kind of funny, but sometimes we'll do that. And, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Five Languages of Love, right? That's a great book because it really teaches you what makes your partner tick and how you can speak into his life and fill his barrel by loving him the way he needs to be loved. And sometimes it's touch and sometimes it's gifts and sometimes it's attention and time together. And sometimes it's other things. So it depends what it is that your partner is. It's not all what I'm about. I want to know what my partner is about and I want to study him and and know him enough to be able to fulfill him. Because if he doesn't feel fulfilled, he's not going to want to be part of that relationship. 
just like if I don't feel fulfilled. And I mean, we can take that word and run with it, but that's not what I want to do here. I want to really say emotionally and physically in our mind and in our heart, because that's what first establishes that foundation. And then the, you know, the, the, the physical stuff was, um, comes after it really comes afterward. Cause if you don't have the first step, how could you even get to the second one? Yeah, that's, that's a lot of the stuff that I was missing growing up. Like there were conversations about it, but amongst my peers, the, the physical element was ab- above everything else yes. consistently. And even when I would question it, there would be pushback. Yeah. And it re- really, yeah. Like, you it, know, <laughs> someone once told me if you give away the most precious thing you own. What do you have to give away when you find her? You've already given it away. So somewhere, I'm from, some people will call me old school, but I don't think that being promiscuous works. I think it wrecks your brain. I think it damages your heart. And I think it's really hard to find stability after. It's not impossible. It's just hard. So my position is that as an individual, I had five years by myself. And granted, after I was married, there is a period your body reacts and and you are missing that affection. But eventually things stabilize and, and it's no longer as prevalent in what you're going through in your life at that moment. When that happens, I think it's, it's the time when I grew the most because I didn't need that. People will say, well, I can't go without being intimate, for example. Um, yeah, you can. It's a choice. And somewhere... It's all about, we all have two choices. It doesn't matter what it is that we're doing. We always have two choices. We can go to the left or we can go to the right. I chose to go to the right. Most people will go to the left and that's okay. That's their choice. But if you want to know how I tick and what made me strong and stable and comfortable and have air under my wings, those are the things. I chose not to be intimate with men until I was married. I chose not to be, for five years, I chose not to be intimate with men or women. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a choice is a choice. Yes. <laughs> but I needed to do that. And you know what happened in that time is that I learned to trust me because a lot of the stuff that I was living and working through was about, I didn't trust myself because I never had the opportunity to trust myself because I never had a choice. Someone always spoke for me. Someone always made me do things. And at some point I needed to find a place to say, well, what if I have to make that decision? How is it going to affect me? Well, how it affected me is that slowly I began to trust myself, my judgment, my decisions. 
which launched me to what I just mentioned. That was my trampoline. There's a lot of trampolines around us. We want to throw each other on trampolines so that we are get launched into other things. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in walking through doors, whatever door. If there's, if there's a door that's open, then I encourage you to walk through it. Go and check it out. doesn't mean you have to stay there, but go and see what it offers you. Because if it doesn't offer you something that you like, then you turn around, you shut the door and you move on, you go to the next door. But sometimes when we walk through some doors, it just gives us this huge opportunity we never thought we could come into. You know, I mean, had I listened to my mom, I'd still be married to an abusive man. I might be dead, but you know, but you know, had I listened all the way and, and I had not even considered making my own choice, I would have followed exactly in their footsteps, which by the way, is what they would have loved. However, I didn't want to live that life. And I decided that when I was a teenager and then when I was in a bad relationship, because I don't know if you know, but most people will choose a partner similar to their mom or their dad. So in my case, I chose a partner similar to my father. And in your case, you might choose someone similar to your mom. There's good and bad to that. The good is you hope that they have your mom's good qualities. <laughs> that is that you hope that they don't have all the bad that your mom has. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For example, I unfortunately ended up with, with an abusive husband. So I chose with the tools that I had. I had no tools. I didn't have models for relationship. I didn't have direction in any way. I was just told that's what I have to do. And so after my divorce, I got this opportunity that was giving me like the sky's the limit opportunity because I could learn what a real true relationship was supposed to look like. And so I read all kinds of books and I read, I remember at the time it was the men are from Mars and women are from Venus from John Gray. And I would devour his stuff and I read a ton of other things, but it was just I started there and then I started to pick pieces of, 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 okay, I like, I like how this lady is straightforward. I like being straightforward. I don't want to be wishy-washy. I want to be firm. I want to be able to be honest. I want to be, I want to have a voice. I, you know, those were the things I was looking for. So every time I encountered someone that had that quality, I sort of clipped it into my bag. And then I started to say, okay, well, if this is the person I want to be, that's what I'm going to be. So I'm going to make choices that are going to resemble or get me on the path of the things that I had put in my bag. And slowly I became, I became, I'm sorry, I became that person. And that's the case with work. That's the case in a marriage. That's the case with our children, because that's a whole other can of worms. I wasn't going to raise my children the way we were raised. I couldn't do that because I couldn't do that to anybody. So now I needed to find what was the right thing to do. Well, I had to read and read and read and read and read. And so I slowly, oh, this isn't working. Let's try something else. <laughs> And, you know, you, you go through my, my first son, poor him, you know, he had to go through the trials a lot more than the second son, because I had things figured out a bit more, <laughs> but 
you know, you do stuff. If you don't change, you're going to repeat. There's only two options. You repeat what you grew up with or you change it. And so I chose to change it. But as I mentioned earlier, I have three, I have three siblings and they chose not to change it. And that's okay. That's their choice. But my choice was different. And I can tell you that I am so grateful. I can't even tell you how grateful I am today for the life I have because my life is way better. I'm much happier. I am much more fulfilled in every way than any of my siblings. Seriously. Like it's just, it doesn't even compare. And not that I'm trying to be better than anybody else. I'm not. I'm just saying I learned, I wanted to be happy and comfortable and I have reached those goals and the, and I still strive every day because happiness is, is, is momentary because tomorrow you, something could happen and I'm not as happy. Well, why not? Okay. How am I going to fix that tomorrow? So you just repeat the same tools and you use them differently as you move on through life, because every day gives you a whole new blank canvas, as they say. <laughs> right. And so, you know, cause we don't know things happen in life. Like the year my house burned down. Did I expect that? No. Is that something I know how to handle? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to do, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get through it. You know, I didn't know how to get back to work. I didn't know how to get my head back on straight. I didn't know. There were so many things I didn't know. But you work through it one step at a time. You don't try to bite the big, the whole apple. You take one little bite and you chew that bite. And then you go to the next one. And it's about being able to break down the problem. Because if you focus on the big problem, then it's always a big problem that you can't handle. But if you focus on one little thing and you do a change today, a small change you're doing, you're working towards your problem or you're solving the problem or your objective or whatever, your goals. It's the same kind of thing. It's just breaking it down. Yeah. Finding that balance is extremely important. You know, it's, it's easy to want to take on something that is huge and monumentous or monumental because it gives it a huge significance. You know, yes. I'm, this big thing has big meaning, therefore I'm going to go for it. But then if you don't find the first steps you need to take, you just get crushed under that weight and your motivation goes away. And then right. the feeling of guilt or shame can easily slide in. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, we have to have support. Sometimes we, like, I think back the year that we had the fire, uh, my family was extraordinarily um, supportive through that season. Uh, my siblings specifically, my parents too, but mostly my siblings. And, you know, somewhere it gave us that opportunity to just let our hair down because there was so much stress. And, and so we needed sometimes to go and sit back and have a glass of wine and say, okay, can we just think of something else right now because I can't do any, you know, and every time in life, it's good to have at least one person to fall back on to say, okay, I need to come and talk to you because I, I'm just overwhelmed today. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's normal. And I think as, as human, human beings, we are people who need to communicate our good and our bad. So, of course, if we always communicate bad, we're going to lose our friends. <laughs> but it's when you're going through a rough time, people understand that you're going through a rough season. And so you say, okay, well, I'm going to isolate this rough season and I'm going to move on to the 
next conversation. Okay, you talk about what's going on and then you drink that wine and you talk about joy, joyful things or whatever the case is, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, again, it's about choice. It's about becoming conscious. Like growing as an individual is, is, is part of it. Like, let's be real. If I'm constantly, you know, nagging and complaining, nobody's going to want to be around me. Or if, if, if I, you know, if, if I'm always thinking I'm better than myself and every, and better than everybody else, let's say, then nobody's going to want to be around me because they're going to detect that. And that's my belief systems. But in the things that I do and the things that I say and the way that I present myself possibly will reflect those belief systems. And so sometimes it's good to just take a step back and say, what am I projecting? I remember um, when I was single, I, I just have this, I'm going to say this magnet for people to come to talk to me, not necessarily men, but people would just feel really comfortable around me. And I used to, I was naive. I was still to a degree somewhat naive. And I used to say, what is it about me that people like? Why are they coming to talk to me? Well, I guess it's that attention, that ability to hear that other person, that ability to share with that other person, the non-judgmental component or whatever the case was. Like I still sometimes am, am in awe <laughs> because people come and they'll say things like, oh my gosh, I couldn't wait to talk to you. And why? Like, what do you, what have I got to offer you? <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, people, you want people to like to be around you. And, and I remember in those times i mean i still think i have some of that for sure but i think our belief systems is really the defining what defines us in a lot of ways and for me i just like to hear and learn about other people and and help them if i can you know because if i can help you and make your life a little bit better it didn't cost me anything and you know what? It's about love at the end. I want to love on to you in a way that I'm listening to you. I'm giving you, you know, some suggestions with whatever challenge you're having and all oh my, my work. And if it works, you might come back, <laughs> but it, it's all about what it's really what it's about. And what, what element of growth is the most recent for you right now? Like what part of you are you developing and learning and, and turning to others for support? Radio, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> radio. Um, but if you're thinking about um, personal growth, uh, I would say I'm constantly growing spiritually. Um, I am in the process of buying out a partner at work. Um, so I have to learn how to do that. I have to learn whatever she was doing. And now I have to do that. So that's a huge growth component. Um, it, marriage, <laughs> you know, it's always, it, you're, I'm growing all the time. I think you have to, I think that's what keeps you involved. That's what keeps us alive. I, certainly what keeps me alive. You know, I just, I get up in the morning and, and I'm, I'm just naturally a positive, happy person. So I want air under my wings. Okay, what are we doing today? Now, I don't always have a ton of energy, but it's ego what I mean, right? Yeah. So I, th I think we grow and I certainly grow in most areas. And, and sometimes we're growing slower, right? And sometimes we're growing faster. It depends what's going on. Like 
in regards to my faith, I grow. Maybe some seasons is slower. Maybe this season is slower than I would uh, another season. Right now, I'm more, you know, focused on dealing with some of the work growth that I have to do or different things like that. So it just, I think, depends what's going on in our lives. And, and you know, when, when we had little children, well, then you have to figure out the kids and you have to grow to be a better parent and you got to fix that problem. So how do I fix that problem? I got to read up on that. Oh, oh, my teenager's not listening. How do I get them to listen? Oh, who do, can I talk to? Right? So you, we, we utilize who's in the community. For me, it was my church family. But I remember when my sons were teenagers, I remember calling a police officer and saying, I, I need some help. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. I, I want to stop him from breaking a law. And here's, you know, here's my story. Can you help me? Why not? You know, I think, and, and I, I have always had some really good rapports with, you know, I call the police. I don't know these police officers. I just call them and say, okay, I'm, my name is Julie and I'm a mom and I have a seven-year-old who just stole money out of my purse. How do I handle that? Mm. How, what do I do? I want you to te- help me teach them that that's not okay and that's breaking the law. And what happened, I remember doing that. It was 25 cents actually. <laughs> and I remember taking both my kids they were really young. They must have been, I'm going to say four and maybe they're four years apart. I think eight is too much. So maybe it was younger, but regardless, they were really young. And so I said, you're not allowed to go in anybody's purse and take money. You just can't do that. And that's breaking the law. And so I went to the police station and I went in and I said, I would like a police officer to come and speak to my children because they stole money from my purse and the cop said, not a problem. He came out, spoke to the kids, and I said, I need you to make them really scared that they're breaking the law and that's not okay. So I just, you know, I, I need that support. And I got that. And and then I went home and I didn't have that problem again. But then there were others, you know, other situations. Of course, they were children. But I remember saying to them, don't make me do it. Because that also said, I'll take you to the police if I have to. And also said, I won't tolerate that because it's not okay. And when you set boundaries with your kids, you're loving them. And for me, that was a way of loving them. And that was going out into the community to get the help I needed at that time. Are there any boundaries that your your kids have turned around and, and been openly grateful for? Oh yes, I, I, I the, when you say that, it makes me, it makes me smile because there's a lot of them, but there's one that comes to mind, and I remember my son, my second son, um, he said to me one day he was in maybe grade eleven, maybe, and he said to me, you know what, mom, I'm so glad you made me pay for my car, and I said, oh, why is that? And he said, well, because I'm taking care of it. And he said, my friends, they're driving their parents' cars and they're wrecking them. And he said, but I know I had to pay for mine. So I'm taking care of it. Now, granted, he had paid $400, right? And he had bought our vehicle. So we still were helping out a ton, but he still had that value. And yeah, that made a huge difference. So he takes care of his stuff, a lot. And I always say, you know, if you give a child that opportunity to be able to grow into that, like I give you 
you know, five bucks and you're going to go buy something. It's yours. You bought it. You wreck it. There's no more. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm going to go buy you another one. And so I taught my kids that there are $5. They could use it, but whatever they bought, they had to take care of it. And if it was the case in all things, because let's be honest, whenever you're raising children in your twenties and thirties, most of us didn't have that much money. So you get one pair of running shoes, make sure they last till Christmas because that's all you get. So take good care of them. And if they wreck them, then you got to wear them till Christmas because that's all you get. And you know, it's there's nothing wrong with setting those parameters and saying, okay, sorry, you wrecked your shoes. It sucks to be you, but you have to wear them till Christmas because that's what we established. And you know what? I can guarantee you, that they didn't wreck another pair after. They only do it once. It's a lesson. It's a lesson that doesn't hurt. Because parameters is what makes a child grow. And it really helps people stay and move into the direction they want to go. And as a parent, that's what I felt I had to give my kids. And I, I still think that it's a big gift. That's that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> And, and how has having kids helped you grow? You know, like how something about them in particular has reflected into you? Oh, that's really, again, yeah, I have these flashbacks that are <laughs> happening in my mind, right? I always say to my oldest son that um, it's because of him that I learned to have a backbone. Mm. And I say, because I didn't really have one before. And then when he grew up, he was doing things that kids do and I had to become more firm and he was getting himself in trouble and I had to be firmer yet again and then the whole cop thing came back because my kids are into cars and so they did stuff with vehicles that they shouldn't have been doing and I would call the police and I would say I need your help so this is what's going on you know you fix one problem but there's other ones but I'm seriously I learned to say no, and I learned how to use my hand to say, stop, this is not happening. And I believe that because of the things my sons went through, that's why I am strong and I have the ability to have pretty healthy parameters. (laughs) I still have them. I mean, they're 30 and 34 today, and I still will say this is not acceptable. This is okay. You can do this, but this is not it's not on, on there. I'm sorry. And I, I've taken one of my sons at one point. They had done something or said something that I wasn't happy with. I took him into my bedroom and I said, I have you to know something. This was impolite. It wasn't okay. I do not expect that you will do this ever again. And the fact that I took him into my room and in essence scolded him never happened again. And, and you know, I think it's about, it's, it's about learning how to do it well and i don't do it well always and so i mean i i we all mess up and i'll I'll tell you i remember one of the things is i'm very good at taking responsibility for what i've messed up (laughs) and i've messed up a lot and you know what i'll continue to do because we're never perfect at anything and every time you're learning something you're going to be messing up so i was learning to be a parent because i didn't have a model So I was learning from scratch and reading those books helped, but of course life helps a whole lot more. (laughs) But I'll tell you, I just, I, I really give credit to my sons because of the, the determination I had to give them 
the best life that a mother could give them. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like part of me wants to keep asking questions, but I'm also giving you the time to, to feel and to process that because it is, it is wonderful. It is beautiful. It's something that I do, I do think is very important. And thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's honestly, honestly. Thanks. You're welcome. Those experiences, that depth, that meaning, that emotional relevance. <laughs> it's not the default in life. No, I don't think so. I think we, if we went with default, we would, we would not have conversations. We would never have the grit to be able to talk about the things that are hard. And, you know, we all have situations that are pleasant, that are wonderful, but they're all, we all have the ones that are not. And, you know, I think we can grow from those ones. And I, I believe that I have grown immensely from those not so pleasant situations. But you know what? That's part of being a mom. It's, it's like they say, you know, marriage isn't for the faint at heart. Well, neither is parenting. <laughs> It's just not, we have to be strong. And I think it, you develop that strength if you don't have it, because you don't have a choice. I didn't, I didn't think I had a choice. I had to develop it. I just really did. And, and here I am. And now we have grandkids and, you know, now it's not my job. Yay! <laughs> I can send them home <laughs> whenever things are getting a little too rowdy or <laughs> too challenging. <laughs> How close do your grandkids live? Your, um, about five minutes away so i by almost car um by car okay. <laughs> um i can almost see their house from our house so oh, it's wow. kind of fun but it's far enough away that we don't know what's going on in their lives <laughs> <laughs> and and you know as uh, my my oldest grandson is 10 and you know as he gets older i'm thinking oh is he gonna like shut us out now because we're gonna be the grandparent we're the grandparents and you know eventually we're not cool anymore and you know at 10 years old i'm thinking oh what was my children doing at 10 well it was about 12 that they started <laughs> not being interested in certain things so uh you know I'm, I'm thinking i got a bit of time left but hopefully he'll they'll both still want to come around my my other grandson is, is younger so i'm very surrounded with boys <laughs> <laughs> two sons and two grandsons <laughs> and one daughter-in-law so far. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, me and Natalie have a great rapport. <laughs> Very blessed to have a wonderful daughter-in-law. And you know, as funny as that is, she's a lot like me. <laughs> you know, when we talked about a while ago, how you choose someone like your mom and, and I'm sure Bradley didn't realize, you know, that he was, choosing someone that would eventually be like me but i watch her and i'm going oh man she is similar to me in a lot of ways like she's got a lot of grit she's very determined she's hard working she's great in the kitchen she's a lovely person you know she's just nice i really love her she's a wonderful person that is definitely a goal of mine that ability for a family to be joined as a result of a relationship taking place yeah yeah it's, 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 it's very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> but you know what? Not, it doesn't always, it's not always roses either. Oh, right. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we all start somewhere and, and, uh, you know, 
I think of some of the girlfriends our children have had and and you sort of go, oh man, as the mom you sort of go, I know I have to love her, but how do I do that? <laughs> and it's not always easy as a parent, especially if we see things that are very not desirable. But, uh, you know, at the beginning, you can say stuff when it's early, but you can't say anything because we have to, we've, we've taught our kids how to play the game and we have to watch them by the, from the sidelines. Yeah. Right. And we have to let them get hurt if that's the case, because that's where they're going to learn. And I remember one time I used to really believe that if I chained, changed all the links that were broken from my childhood and I made a nice chain for my kids that they wouldn't have to do any of it. Mm. Well, I recently found out that that is not true. (laughs) (laughs) That was a total myth for me. And I was totally thinking that I was doing all these things for my kids so they wouldn't have to do them. But they have to do their own walk. They have to do their own growth. They really do. Or they won't grow. You can't do it for them. It's like faith. You can't make somebody love Jesus. Yeah. You have to have to do it for themselves. You have to want it. It's like everything else. I like to call it action steps. You have to take action for whatever it is. The kids have to go through their own hoops just like I did. Maybe they're going to be different. They're likely going to be different hoops. Ideally, they learned a few things from my hoops and they're not the same ones. <laughs> well, that's, that's, the, that's the whole hope, right? That's the right. whole a- aspiration is the idea that you become the next giant that the next generation stands upon the shoulders of. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that they have... I've heard people say, oh, you know, the, the fact that my children have to deal with adversity is a sign of a failure of me as a parent. But it's like, if the problems are different and just slightly less worse, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, progress. Exactly. And the fact that they're going through challenges and coming out at the other end right. is showing that they're developing resilience and character and that that progress will continue right. and continue and continue. And it is a source of hope. Absolutely. And the one thing we have to remember as parents, I think, and, and we're often reminded is they will not have the tools we have at 55, 56 years old when they're 20 something or 30 something. Mm-hmm. They just won't. doesn't matter how you cut or slice it. You have all those years of experience. So they're not going to be at the same level as you ever, because you'll always have 30 something years more experience than they do. And then from there, you hope that you've given them enough tools to be able to function and like you said, and, and make a little bit changes and be a little bit better as we go, and hopefully a lot better. Right. But I already, I already see some stuff like, again, I look back more in my family, um, my childhood uh, and the, the boys in our family, what they did. And I already see a nice, nice, nice difference in my children. So it's very encouraging. And, and that hope is, is like, well, yay, you know, I want, I'm so thrilled, but those are the reasons we work hard as parents is to give our children opportunities. Cause really our role is to raise up responsible, self-sufficient, honest people right? And, and send them off into the world and, and do whatever. So it really, at, at a fundamental basis, I'm thinking, okay, I think I've 
somewhat achieved that. Now, does it mean they're they're excelling in every area? Probably not. But somewhere, I think that that's our role as a parent, and we just continue to be that support as they as they grow and move on. I, I, my my guys have been moved on for a little while, but <laughs> home is always home, though, right? It's yeah. always it's always a place to come back to. Always. <laughs> but and that's. That's beautiful. That's absolutely phenomenal and borderline magical, you know, like to be able to have a home to come back to that is safe, that is that is warm, that is loving and allows mistakes to take place and then growth to re- be the result. Right. Right. Like I, I have nothing but gratitude and applaud <laughs> you for <laughs> creating that in the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious also as to how do, do you see how you kind of do this also with your work? Like you, you help people in different ways, more Absolutely. so with business and finance, but it seems like the motivation is very there, similar. There's so much life coaching happening in everything I do because of the same reasons you're asking me these questions and, and you seem to be very intrigued by what I'm answering. People come to me and they ask me questions. And when I answer them, it's not what they thought they were going to get as an answer in a lot of cases. Therefore, they're going, oh, and they're standing up and going, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll listen more. Or or how about if I ask another question or whatever the case is. And I always say finances is a part of life, but life is the coaching. You know, at the end of the day, finances touches everything in your life. It touches your friends, your family, your children, your hobbies, your habits, your work. It touches everything. And there may be areas that need adjusting because it's affecting your finances. So let's take, for example, what I mentioned earlier, a family that might want to be sending their children to hockey, for example. There's nothing wrong with sending your child to hockey. As a matter of fact, there's some great stuff that happens in hockey rinks. But on the flip side, what if you can't afford it? What if it's because you always wanted to be in hockey? What if your child really doesn't want to be in hockey? You have to weigh those things. I had a situation a number of years ago, probably six or seven years ago, I had a client come to see me and um, she had three daughters and they were all in competitive dance and it was costing them a lot, a lot of money. And I said, okay, so the girls choose to be in dance? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. They want to be in dance. Okay. So how much do you think they want to be in dance? I said to her, she said, oh, probably a lot. And I said, okay, well, ask them how much they would want to contribute towards the fee to dance. So they had the conversation at home and the, that first month they thought, what do you mean we have to pay? But it was a process. It's a process. So when you sit down with your kids and you have that conversation, what happened is initially the kids did agree to contribute a portion. And and of course, we're not talking about 50% or anything like that. We were talking about a portion. And um, within a year, none of those girls were dancing. And the reason for that is because it really wasn't that important to them. And so somewhere going back to the hockey child, what if that's the case? There's nothing wrong with exposing your child to an activity, to an event, to a sport, to a whatever. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're paying dear dollars, you want to be their choice. Because if not, have you ever 
been forced to do something because somebody else wanted you to do it? Did it work for you? <laughs> what did you learn? <laughs> right? So in the end, if you're forcing, and I take hockey for example, but if you force your child to go to hockey because you paid for it, it's going to work for a season, but they're not going to love it mm. like you might think they are going to love it. And so it's, and, and that's all linked back to that's a parenting issue. It's not a financial issue at the core, right? But it's connected to finances because you're paying a ton of money to put your child in hockey. So at the end of the day, you want to find that balance. But it's often we have to look at how are we managing the parenting? How are we managing the couple? Maybe, maybe you know, there's there's another problem and it's related to the couple. Maybe one's a gamer or maybe one's an excessive shopper or maybe, uh, you know, people have all kinds of habits and hobbies and, and, and things and there's nothing wrong with any one of those things. It's just if it's in, ex in excess, we have to find out why and where are you going with that? And what is that? You know, if, if I, for example, have uh, an excess spending habit uh, because I'm a paper crafter, what am I hiding from? What am I covering? Is there another broken piece? Lots of psychology in there. But that's what we want to find out. What is it you're running away from? Are you running away from something? And if you can't afford it, okay. So what are you willing to do to get to where you're going? It's always about action. Yeah. <laughs> and do you feel like you've, you're going to be staying here for the rest of your life in this township because of family and the businesses and the relationships and your connection to your faithful community? Absolutely. I think we make community becomes home, right? And I think, um, I remember when we moved from Cornwall for the first few years, we used to say, well, when we retire, we'll move back to Cornwall, but I wouldn't dream of it now. Absolutely not. Like we love living in this community. We love being able to walk and feel safe. It's a beautiful and safe community. I mean, what was it? We were the third best community to live in, <laughs> in Canada. I, I happen to agree. It's, it's a really lovely community. And the more we grow, the more fun it's going to be. I think it's a great place to raise a family and it's a great place to grow old as well. You have taken me on a journey of your life. <laughs> and I feel like I could talk to you forever, forever and, and keep chatting about all the wonderful experiences you have but I also want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind coming again if you'd like. Absolutely. Uh, that would be that'd be fine. There's that. I love that idea. I absolutely, I absolutely do. And for anybody who wants to hear more of you, just in general, how are they to to contact you and find you? Well, my phone number is six one three two seven seven five two seven one, or you can reach me at Julie at BeyondMortgages.ca. And if anybody wants to follow up on any of the uh, faith recommendations that you've had or any of the com other community activities that you've been a part of, anything that you can think of that you've gone to that you feel accepted or that has been good for you and good for your family that other people might want to consider because we are starting to open back up now that the yeah. the changes are Thank taking goodness, place. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so anything that you will be returning to or that you felt value was, was worth sharing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to share 
anything. I, I'm that person. I'd like to share whatever my experiences is. And if I can enlighten anyone, enlighten anyone, I'd love, I'd love to do that. Um, obviously if people are looking for a church, we have a beautiful, um, English and English speaking, um, Pentecostal church. We are currently, uh, hosting at the French Baptist church in, Force Park and our service is at four o'clock on Sundays and we have plenty of room to receive newcomers. We would love to have you. And if you've never been in a church, it's a nice place to start. We're a small community. We are love. We love to love on to people. That's what we do. We will take you for right where you're at. You don't have to be perfect because none of us are. And it doesn't matter how you look, how you dress. It just doesn't matter. We are really there to become a community. So we'd love to have you. Thank you. My pleasure. If you want to hear more stories from members of our community, écoutez a local podcast. So Spotify, Apple, acjroradio.com. <laughs>